your hour of Thrive Time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. The Jay Mamie Talk Show. Good morning, everyone. Welcome once again to your hour of Thrive Time. This is Jay Mamie, and I want to welcome all of you back to the show. And for those that are visiting the show for the first time, I am honored that you have decided to spend some time with us today to learn more about what our show is all about. I'm thankful that you will be here for the entire show to judge for yourself the value of the content that we are bringing week after week. It is my honor to be able to serve you in this capacity where I am continuing to bring great content and, and information and guests that will give you the insight and information that allows you to thrive in, in the areas that you are looking to thrive in. And by the way, today is no different. I'm very excited about today's show because we have a lineup of guests that are going to be outstanding. And the topic for today's show, I believe, is one that is not only on the forefront of a lot of parents' minds, but also, believe it or not, on the minds of young adults and teenagers and even those in the 10, 11, 12-year-old age group. It, it's it's amazing, and you'll see what I mean in a minute. But I just want you to know that today is going to be another episode for you to really understand how you can take information, apply it, implement it, and expect, and I mean, and I do mean expect to have a different result by the application of what you learned in this show today. Our show today is going to be about how do you raise entrepreneurial kids? How do you raise entrepreneurial kids? And we've got great information on how to do that. By the way, whether you are an entrepreneur or not, whether you are an entrepreneur wannabe, whether you are an employee, it doesn't really matter where you are right now in terms of how you are producing income for you and for your family and whatever endeavor or whatever expression that is. This message is for anyone. It's about expanding in your children the awareness that there are other ways to generate income as they pursue a life goal. So we're gonna, I'm excited about that because I've got examples to, to share with you and even my own personal example. But also on the show today, we've got our featured guest, renowned author, a subject matter expert in the fields of mental toughness and how do you have uh, increased performance and, and not only in your career, but also in your understanding of how to achieve uh, greater success in your life in whatever area that might be, but also someone who has studied the, the mindset and the habits of successful people, even to the extent of how they teach their kids about success and the value of money and how to become wealthy. And, and all of these things that he has researched uh, for the last 30 years, one of the leading experts in that arena, Steve Sebo, will be with us this morning to share with us his wisdom and his insight based on his research and his thousands of hours of interviews with very successful people, how we can foster the awareness of the entrepreneurial spirit in our kids. And we've got a dynamic business spotlight today. Someone else who's a visionary uh, who is redefining the way that companies can protect themselves from litigation against uh, lawsuits. And Jared Pope is the founder of WorkShield, and he's going to be here to share his vision. And I believe in a time that's very critical to understand his services and why they're so important. So our show is full today of great, great stuff. So I'm hoping you're ready for this hour of Thrive Time. But guys, I want to share with you the conversations about how do you raise entrepreneurial kids is something that has surfaced a lot recently. And quite frankly, because of the challenges we've had in the last six months or so with job security, 
being threatened as a result of uh, unforeseen event, this this pandemic. And even though we are slowly getting back to uh, a sense of, of normalcy to, to an extent, uh, it has awoken in people that have always sought, not sought so much, but have thought that, that have always believed that job security is guaranteed. And guys, I want to share with you something. There is nothing secure about working for someone else. Now, I I want to be very, very clear. Everyone who contributes to the growing economics of a society is important. Every contribution matters, whether it's coming from an entrepreneur or an employee. Your gifts, your talents, they matter. Your contributions matter to a society, regardless where they're coming from. But I can tell you that most people are are yet again awakening to the fact that the job security that is uh, sought after is really an illusion. Isn't that true? Because on any given day, you could lose your job through no fault of yours or through fault of yours. So now parents, adults are thinking, how do I give my children the best advantage of creating income so that they're not going to ever have, uh, potentially have the experience of being uh, blindsided by uh, a job loss or a furlough or, or, or anything that can happen where now their security and stability is threatened because they've only learned, they've only understood, they've only been exposed to one way to generate income. Boy, I'm having those conversations a lot these days. So I thought this would be a great topic for today. That's why I said earlier, doesn't really matter where you are, doesn't really matter where you're from, doesn't matter what you do, what type of work you you do, or whether it's entrepreneurial or employee, it doesn't matter. This message today is for everyone, and I hope that you walk away with something that'll give you further insight as to how to develop that entrepreneurial spirit in your kids, regardless of the age that they are, if they're still looking at what their future could be. Now, let me say this. The life of an entrepreneur is not for everyone. I've learned this now as a result of 35 years of being one. I remember those early days when I began my entrepreneurial journey when I lived in New York and I used to go to Central Park and uh, pick up nickels from the floor. Now, you may say, what what are you talking about, nickels from the floor? Well, I didn't see uh, what most people saw when they walked through the park in, in, uh, in Central Park when they would see empty bottles and cans. I, I saw nickels. And for me, that entrepreneurial spirit was awoken in me when I knew that those bottles and cans were worth a nickel. And I was shocked that most people would just toss the nickel on the ground. And what was what really impressed me was, or rather had an impression upon me, was that I can go out there every single weekend and fill up my hefty bag, my big plastic hefty bag with as many bottles and cans as I could fit in there. And I can go in and cash them in for a nickel. And it was just amazing to me that opportunities like that were right before everyone else's eyes, right underneath their noses, but yet nobody was picking up those bottles and cans and trading them in for a nickel. Me and my brother were. And that was my initial entrepreneurial awakening. And I've now had a chance to live that entrepreneurial life in many expressions in many different ways over the last 35 years. So I, I know what I'm talking about when I share with you that the entrepreneurial life is a great one. But I've also come to the realization that a life of an entrepreneur comes with its challenges. It has rewards, but it has its challenges. So those challenges are often what keeps most people from attempting to take a leap of faith into an entrepreneurial endeavor. Or they cause many to stumble and ultimately abandon ship on their efforts. 
You see, these challenges can be extremely difficult to bear at times and can be blamed for the demise of any entrepreneur's dreams. Ask any entrepreneur what the greatest hurdles can be and you'll find uniformity in their responses. The responses like the lack of certainty at times, uh, the emotional roller coaster, setbacks mixed with accomplishments, the battle between fear and faith and seasons of feast <laughs> and seasons of famine. And that's just to name a few. So then why pursue an entrepreneurial life? And, and let alone, why, why teach that to your kids? Well, if you ask entrepreneurs the question, you'll find a host of common answers stemming from a life of adventure and innate desire to create and so on and so forth. Raising kids to experience the entrepreneurial life can be one of the most impactful lessons they can learn from their parents. By the way, do you have to be an entrepreneur in order to raise one? No, you just have to provide the proper exposure, encouragement, environment, and resources to support the development of an entrepreneurial spirit. Let me submit to you three essential things, three essential keys that you have to have to raise entrepreneurial kids. First, you have to make them aware that there are a number of ways to generate an income or to make a living. This is important because the encouragement of pursuing entrepreneurial endeavors and dreams have been fairly scant and silent from the academic world, which focuses more on employee readiness than entrepreneurial preparation. Kids must know early on that they do have options and how they can create a vibrant and rewarding working life apart from working for others and that not every employment shoe fits every foot. Secondly, helping kids identify what they are naturally good at or what they enjoy doing is a major step towards fostering an entrepreneurial spirit. Working with kids and exposing them to the gifts that they have so that they can exercise it in a way that allows them to be joyful is critical. And the last area is you have to make sure that you help them understand that it's about pursuing passion, not profit. What do they love to do? What will they eventually love doing that they would do even if they didn't make a dime on it where they can dedicate their entire lives to it? That's how you can draw out a passion, that hidden passion that the children uh, that children can have. I have made it a habit to ask my own three kids throughout their formative years what they would dedicate their lives to doing if they never made any money at it. This question, it extracts from them a deeper understanding of calling and purpose. See, when you recognize your calling and what it is, you'll figure out what your life purpose is, and then you will see your daily life and worked activity through a different set of lenses. Your motive will be different. Guys, I'm excited about the rest of the show. Our next segment will feature Steve Seabold, and he's going to highlight his experience on how to help us raise entrepreneurial kids, as is taught by those who have done it very, very well. We'll see you after the break. Jay Mamie writes in his latest bestseller, Battling Invisible Enemies, Facing Your Inner Struggles Head On, that your potential to thrive will always be hindered if you're battling invisible enemies of worry, fear, doubt, and discouragement that only stagger and stunt your focus, your energy, your creativity, and your joy. Go to thejmamie.com for a copy of the book that many are calling a masterpiece. Battling Invisible Enemies, Facing Your Inner Struggles Head On at thejmamie.com. That's T-H-E-J-A-Y-M-A-Y-M-I.com. 
Are you looking for ways to support your immune health? Are you wanting to cleanse and detoxify your body for ultimate health and wellness? Well, First Fitness Nutrition has the solution. They offer all-natural, vegan and vegetarian, herbal wellness and cleansing products so you can start taking control of your health and wellness. First Fitness Nutrition is a Dallas-based company, a leader in the industry for over 30 years. To learn more about their safe and effective health and wellness products, go to firstfitness.com or call 800-621-4348 today. Again, firstfitness.com or call 800-621-4348. Connect Me is running a contest and we're giving away $1,000 each week to one lucky listener in North Texas. It's easy to enter. Just use your smart speaker to send a list of local businesses to your mobile phone. For your chance to win $1,000, just tell Alexa to enable Connect Me skill. And when she asks for your location, say North Texas. Once again, for your chance to win $1,000, tell Alexa to enable Connect Me skill. And when she asks for your location, say North Texas. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back to the show, everyone. This is Jay Mamie, and we are now entering into our segment where I'm excited about our featured guest for today. Steve Siebold is not only a best-selling author of a number of books, but it's very hard to turn on any TV station today or online program and not see him featured on a number of different talk shows. He's all over NBC, CNBC, Fox, and so on. And for a good expert, not only in the field of mental toughness, but over a thousand, probably two thousand hours of interviewing some of the top people in the country, and he's done that for the last thirty-five years. He shared the stage with some of the top folks uh, who are believers and preachers of self-development, personal growth, and success, and my and mental toughness. And uh, currently, he is probably one of the guys that's called upon by just about every broadcast, every station, every outlet when it comes time to talk about how the wealthy think and what. They were teaching their kids and their their habits of mental toughness. So I couldn't think of someone better to have on a show today to talk about how do you raise entrepreneurial kids based on his research dealing with those who've done that than Steve Siebel. So, Steve, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy. You've got a ton of news happening today, brother. But I appreciate you being on the show. Welcome to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Hey, thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. So, Steve, the, the topic of today is raising entrepreneurial kids and one of the things I talked about early on in the first segment was whether you're currently an entrepreneur or not, whether you're an employee uh, or, or, or a wannabe entrepreneur, if you have children, making them aware of what they could do to express and on to actually turn on an entrepreneur spirit and then express that today more than ever, it's important for parents to at least give their chance to give their kids a chance to express that and to learn that whole world, whether or not it's for them or not. But you've dealt with some of the best people for such a long time who have lived these incredible lives of success, who are mentally tough. What could you share, especially from one of your most popular books? It's a, a best-selling book, Secret Self-Made Millionaires Teach Their Kids. Uh, can we pick up where that book leaves off with what you've learned these wealthy individuals teach their kids? Yeah, well, one of the things I found, Jay, during the interviews was that uh, with Self-Made Millionaires, one of the things they teach their kids is the way the world really works, as opposed to the way they're going to learn about it in school, especially college, university, and that type of thing. So, in other words, uh, uh, like we've all heard, you know, love makes the world go round, and wouldn't that be nice if it did? But, it, you know, what they teach their kids is the truth is money makes the world go round. It'd be better if love did, but, uh, but, but actually <laughs> the fact is money does. 
And so they teach them things like that. They teach, they teach them the brutal realities of the world so they're prepared for what they're going to face, especially if they choose the entrepreneurial route. You know, as you mentioned, not for everyone, certainly, but if they're going to face that, if they're going to go out and stake their own claim, they're going to have to see the world as it really is, as opposed to what a lot of Americans, you know, kind of fantasize and they wish it were. Let me ask you, so from the conversations you've had with those who have achieved the status of uh, being a millionaire and they've done it as a self-made millionaire, what would you say are the two key things that they're teaching, those secrets that you talk about, that they teach their kids in terms of not only the awareness of what the world really has to offer, and uh, but also in those habits and disciplines that are so critical if you're going to be successful as an entrepreneur? Well, I think one is the basic premise of free market capitalism, if they're, you know, again, if they're going to be an entrepreneur, which is solving problems. You know, they, they, you solve problems, you get paid, the bigger problem you solve, the richer you get. Mm-hmm. I mean, there you can really break it down. You know, economists kind of, I've debated a lot of economists on stage about that over the years, but it's hard to, it's hard to really argue with the premise, the basic premise, at least, that that's the way a free market economy operates, solve problems. So teach them to solve problems. Not look for shortcuts, not for look for easy way out, easy ways out, but to solve problems and look for large problems that they have some kind of skill set behind or interest in um, solving, and uh, and and they can pretty much write their own ticket. I would say that's one, and the second one would be the discipline required mm. to find a problem first that your skill set matches up with and your interests match up with, and then the 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 years it takes. To actually build something as opposed to, again, what a lot of people think they're going to get rich overnight in a free market economy, which no one does. And uh, so uh, now let's see win the lottery. And so to <laughs> teach them these things, that they're, they're going to need to be disciplined. This is going to be a fight, the fight of their life to really prepare them. And they, they do a great job in preparation with these things because they've done it themselves. Let's talk a little bit about fear. I know one of the, the concerns that people have as, as either employees or uh, employers or entrepreneurs, uh, as I've had conversation with adults now who have children, they they protect their kids. And one of the ways they protect their kids is not by, I shouldn't say protect their kids, but they want to protect their kids from anything that can harm them. And that, that concern, that fear of the unknown. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, sometimes it's a life of the unknown. It's a life of the uncertain. And that's why most people stay away from it because they love that stability and security. But in your book, you talk about, not only in that book, but in your also your other bestseller, 177 Mental Toughness Secrets of the World Class, that they embrace the unknown and they teach their kids that. Would you say that's accurate? Oh, it's completely accurate. I mean, the way you described it is absolutely perfect. I mean, they, 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 they encourage them to look for uncertainty and to be able to survive, initially survive uncertainty and then thrive through it. And of course, mm. with this pandemic, we're seeing this right now. I mean, the world tomorrow, we don't know what's going to happen in the world we got a political, you know, mess going on on both sides of the aisle. Right. We got, you know, the pandemic. We got just about everything happening. It couldn't be a more uncertain time, probably in any of our lives, probably worldwide, which is pretty hard to believe. You can even make a statement like that and have it be true. But they they teach them to to be un, be comfortable being uncomfortable, because that's where the opportunity is. If you think about it, when everyone else is hiding, you know, the, these people are out there on the front line, saying like they are right now, saying, how can we? How can we solve some problems for people? How can we do things that we couldn't have done before the pandemic or any kind of chaos, uh, chaotic situation? And so they're teaching them to thrive through those things and to really embrace it 
as a as a as a as a sort of a touch point of opportunity as opposed to running from the fear of it. You know, you mentioned running from the fear, but that's that's one of the things that people are uh, not open to, right? They they want to do what's comfortable, they want to do what's safe, and wealthy people, successful people. That's one of the things they don't teach their kids to do is play it safe. Uh, because safe doesn't bring security. You know, safe brings struggle. <laughs> right. right? Exactly. And I think most people attest that to be true. But you mentioned solving problems. How do you, and let's, let's say that you you're have parents around that are listening to the show, and I, I would imagine we're going to have thousands of parents listening to this show. How do you help a parent or an individual or even a young adult who wants to, uh, take what you've said to heart and solve problems. Where do they begin even looking for the problems? How do they do that? Well, uh, this is what the, you know, over 36 years of interviews, that, that's a, it's a great question. It's one I've asked almost all the, the, the people I interviewed over the last 36 years. That's a staple question. What do you teach your kids that most parents don't, you know, that, that are not as successful? And one of the things they do with solving problems, to answer your question directly, this is not my opinion. This is actually what I found during the research was they'll, they'll say, well, when a kid, let's say, is 10 or 12 years old, they'll say, well, you know, they'll, they'll come to them and say, hey, can I, can I have $10 or whatever the number is, you know, $20 or whatever it is now. It's gone up, of course. But mm-hmm. um, they say, well, you know, what problem can you solve that we have? Well, the, 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 the lawn needs mowing, and there's weeds to be picked, and there's things to be done around the, the house. Um, so I have that problem. Can you solve it for me? And if so, how much are you going to charge me to do it? And I'll, and I'll negotiate the fee with you. And they teach them how the free market operates. And they teach them to think like that instead of saying, hey, why don't you go practice applying for a job so when you get out of college you'll know how to, how to fill out an application. They go the opposite road. They say, you know, if you solve a bigger problem, yeah, yeah I, need, I need $300 for, to buy a, you know, to put a down payment on a car. Great. What problems of mine can you solve? Let's negotiate <laughs> the fee. And if you can solve it, great. That's what they, I mean, it really, I mean, I've seen some pretty creative things over the years with these people, but they teach them to think like that. So by the time they're, they're out of college, that's, what the, that's how they think, that's what they associate how, that's how they associate making money. I got to find a problem to solve, and the bigger problem I solve, the more money I get. You know what? That's so key because even where I live now, my my wife there's a uh, there's a Facebook page that my wife follows in the community that we live in, and uh, I really hope that our listeners are are paying attention because sometimes the simple is the secret, right? The 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 simple is the secret, not the complex. And I think a lot of folks, especially topics like this and and others. Uh, they think the answer lies in in something that's complex and and uh, and convoluted. When sometimes the answers are so simple that they're transparent, they're right before your very eyes. So there's a Facebook page in the community that we live in that all of the the, the residents are part of it. And I was so excited to hear that there is a seven year old. Now you can find it's funny. There's a seven year old girl in our community who goes around, and this is her own her own uh, creation. She goes around picking up the poop from the backyards of the of the homeowners, and she charges ten bucks to show up and pick up the poop. <laughs> you know, now there's a problem to solve, right? <laughs> so that's exactly what you said. Here's a here's a, here's a seven year old, I think, seven or eight years old, something like that. Um, certainly young, who figured out that there's poop backyards that most people aren't picking up. So why not solve that problem? She goes in for 10 bucks and picks up the poop. You know, so as, as I've always said in my, uh, in my early development, my early entrepreneurial experience, which I was just sharing with our audience earlier, uh, picking up bottles and cans for a nickel, similar to what this little girl has done. She doesn't, she doesn't see poop. She sees profit, <laughs> right? 
So, but obviously that right. was fostered and encouraged by her parents giving her the encouragement. How important is parental encouragement when a kid decides to do something different from even what they're doing in an in a uh, sort of an employee mindset and employee experience and their kids decide, I want to do something entrepreneurially. How important is that encouragement for the kids? Oh, yeah. No, I think that's a, a big thing. And just to go back on your picking up the poop, I mean, one of the, you know, it's funny <laughs> is that, is that it's a great story. Uh, one of the people I interviewed in the, in the early 1990s was a, a gentleman named Wayne Hyzanga who started Republic Industries. And he was picking up the biggest trash, you know, if you're not familiar, biggest trash uh, organization, picking up trash organization can, can, now in the, in the country. He owned AutoNation and a bunch of other companies. But he started picking up people's trash, not sophisticated, not complicated, as you say, pretty simple. And he became one of the richest people in the world doing that. And I asked him during the interview, I said, you know, how would you come up with it? He said, I was looking for a problem to solve that's something I could understand because I'm not a rocket scientist. He said something to that effect. He said, and I knew I could pick up trash, and I knew I could systemize it, and that's what I did. He became a billionaire doing it. You know, so that's, that's she's on the seven-year-old's on the right path. Right. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, you know, she, you don't have to – it does not have to be complicated. Most things that I've found with people made them very successful financially, um, they were simple, to your point. They weren't complicated, and, and these people are not rocket scientists. Wayne Heisinger – you know, was not, and he was a smart guy, but he, he, he admittedly said that, you know, he was not the smartest guy in the world, but certainly one of the richest. And, and I think to your point about, you know, parental encouragement, I think it's key because, you know, as, as you know, being an entrepreneur, you're in the minority. So people say, hey, why don't you, any entrepreneur has a story, you know, people say, hey, why don't you just get a real job and get a regular paycheck and get benefits and all the rest of it? Because that's the norm and that's what most people think. So I think that they're going to get pushback. And if the parents can help encourage that, that behavior, they'll probably either move toward it naturally as an entrepreneur if they have that mindset and that, that predisposition or they won't. And, but I think the encouragement certainly would help. Steve, that's incredible. Guys, when we come back in our follow-up segment right after this break, Steve's going to dive into mental toughness and what the what the world class are are teaching or are experiencing and how they experience rather uh, mental toughness and some of the things that he's learned from interviewing hundreds of very successful people who are all uh, class A, mentally tough individuals and what they can teach us. And right after the break, we'll hear from Steve about that as well. Are you looking for the very best in senior care, but also safety against coronavirus? I'm Godwin Dixon, co-founder and co-creator of Teresa's House Assisted Living and Memory Care at Craig Ranch McKinney. We designed Teresa's House to be the very best with state-of-the-art air safety features and 24-7 on-site nursing and fun activities in a beautiful and home-like setting. Teresa's House is perfect. Call us today at 972-747-8033 or visit us at teresashouse.com to learn more. Teresa's House, just like home, only better. Having a hard time finding commercial funding? Is this challenge stalling your business goals and dreams? Well, at JRF Financial, they specialize in getting your commercial funding challenges resolved because they work with the largest SBA lender in the country. They work with over 33 different types of alternative lending and can fund anything from equipment to real estate. Don't let funding challenges stop you. Call Justin Fry at 678-506-7567 or visit them at jrffinancial.org. 
You're in charge of marketing your business, and the last two months have overwhelmed any past strategies. It's time to move forward, and you need help. Here at KLIF, we work with hundreds of small businesses to find connections to our listeners and convert them to your customers. Combining the benefits of advertising on KLIF with the most powerful digital solutions, we can help you get reset, build, and deliver your message with a variety of cost-effective solutions. Call RJ Lane at 214-523-2780 or email richard.lane at cumulus. A conservative judge is confirmed today. That's awesome. I never get sick of winning. I'm with you, though I am worried about this favored nation idea. The one where our country installs socialist price controls? Directly from countries with socialized medicine. Their policies will mean fewer new cures, less access to treatments, and lost jobs for Americans. Gotta believe our guy will back us out of that. He puts America first. Paid for by Americans for Tax Reform. Visit NoPriceControls.org. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Hey guys, welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. We're having a fantastic conversation with Steve Siebold, renowned author and subject matter expert, one of the leading authorities on mental toughness and what the wealthy and successful uh, not only do in terms of their own habits to become successful, but what they're teaching their kids as well. Steve, I want to talk a little bit about your best-selling book, 177 Mental Toughness Secrets of the World Class. It's the first book that I read written by you, and and I couldn't put it down. I mean, I look at that book now, and it's highlighted all over the place, and I've read it so many times. And looking back upon the book, one of the the areas that you touched on is so appropriate to our conversation today. When you broke down the five levels of awareness, and uh, I'd like for you to share with our listeners what the five levels of awareness are and why it's critical for a parent to first know what they are so they can begin to not only teach their kids those awareness, but also help mold which awareness those kids should be focused on experiencing. Oh, yeah, definitely. You're, you're right. It's so important for parents to know where they are first. That's the first step in the, because you're going to, of course, pass on what you, what you have to your kids, uh, you know, by, almost by default. So, yeah, it, it's based on the idea, the, the concept, um, this five levels of awareness that I put in the book is based on uh, the concept by, uh, or the quote by uh, Einstein, Albert Einstein, of course, years ago that said, uh, consciousness is contagious. So whatever, whatever people we hang around, the consciousness we're surrounded by, the people that have the consciousness we're surrounded by are going to affect us dramatically going to, going to affect our consciousness. So we say the lowest level is what we call poverty class consciousness, where you, we sort of define the, the level of consciousness very simply by the mantra that these people sort of espouse. And the poverty class says life sucks and then you die and that type of thing. So it's very low level. Obviously, a lot of pe- people probably listening to this wouldn't be at this level, but it's the lowest level, it's sort of a bookend thing. The next level is working class consciousness, which was just you know, basically survival. The goal in life is to survive. And a lot of people have that. And even in America, the richest country in the world, a lot of people say, teach their kids, hey, just get by. Keep your nose clean. Stay out of trouble. Keep your head down and just survive and be glad you survived. And that's one level. And obviously, that's a very limited thing. But that's a lot of people. And you have the middle class consciousness going up the line, which is sort of the, you know, the, the middle of the road. This is the, the majority. 70% roughly of the population would fall into this class where it's just sort of a uh, uh, I want to be comfortable is the mantra we use for it. You know, I just want to be safe, secure, comfortable. I don't want to push it too far. I want to be, I just want to be safe. I just want to be comfortable. You know, mm-hmm. that's it. I don't need to be rich. I don't need to be successful. I don't need too much. I just want to be comfortable. And while there's nothing wrong with it, it certainly is limiting. 
And then the next level is what we call upper class consciousness, which is sort of the ego based, you know, consciousness where it's it sort of takes on a narcissistic level where people say, Hey, look at look at me, aren't I smart? They want to tell you how smart they are and how big their house is and how fancy their cars are and how great their grades were in school and they're it's a classic narcissistic ego based mentality where they want to beat people. They want to be the best. They are the best. And, and it's, it's sort of a, a level of consciousness that it goes above middle class, Jay, in mm-hmm. terms of ambition. Mm-hmm. But it goes, but it's very limiting because it's ego based. And the next level is the top level, which takes the ego out. And we call that the world class consciousness, which is the same level of ambition as, as the upper class minus the ego. So now they're not, it's now it's not about them. It's usually about serving customers, clients. It's, it's all about, you know, helping other people and, and they, they want to help themselves and they do, but they do it through service. They do it through problem solving as opposed to just telling people here, how aren't I great? Aren't I wonderful? And it's, and they seem to be probably more importantly, the happiest people of all the classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and because they don't struggle financially, typically they don't struggle emotionally because they're not ego based. So they tend to have fulfillment and success at the same time, which usually produces happiness. Steve, and, and, and by the way, guys, I, I would encourage all of you to go out and get that book because Steve just gave us a truncated version of the book, and, and that's just one aspect of the book. But it's so important, which is why it's one of the early conversations or topics that he discusses in the book. Uh, but, Steve, how important would you say, and here's a million-dollar question, considering I believe the tide is turning now where we were a country that was founded on entrepreneurship and then somewhere along the lines – uh, we got to sold the bill of goods that that working for someone else is really the way we reach our dreams. But I think people are now reawakening to the reality that that's de- that's really an illusion or is delusional thinking. How important is it? Million dollar question. How important is it that we become very more aggressive, not only as parents, not only as individuals, but as society in a whole to embrace uh, the ideas that entrepreneurs bring to the table as the future where this country can continue to develop successfully and, and, and progress in ways that I think it needs to progress. How important is that right now? I think it's critical, Jay, honestly, but I still, I just, as being an entrepreneur for 30 plus years, I, at least in, in interviewing so many, obviously over the years as well, I, I, I think that some of it's a predisposition. I think some of it, you could take people through 10 years of training, which you don't need to be an entrepreneur, but if you did even, take them through 10 years of entrepreneurial training, they wouldn't have the mindset. I, I have college friends that I've offered to, to, to work for me, to partner with me in businesses I've had over the last 30 years that have struggled with money, that are very smart, that have jobs, but they don't earn that much money. They're good friends of mine. And I couldn't get them to become entrepreneurs with me to save my life, no matter how much money I offered them. And some <laughs> of them 10 and 20 times what they earn. I mean, literally just, just trying to help them and leverage their intelligence and, you know, efforts as well. And they just don't have that mindset. And, they, and they're very happy with what they have. They're just not happy financially, of course, because if you, if you, you know, you're either building your dream or you're selling your, you know, your services to someone who is, you're going to build their dream. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think that, you know, you're either predisposed to this or it interests you or you really just don't have any interest. And in I don't know if you can change that, 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 that mindset or not. You could certainly encourage it as a parent just to see if it's there, but it's kind of like if I, Try, if you try to get me to play golf, which a lot of people have because I live in a lot of country club communities with golf courses and they're beautiful, I just don't like golf. I, people <laughs> try, I've tried to like golf. I want to like it. I just don't like it for whatever reason. I don't. You know. So I think some people are more predisposed to it than others. But that being said, 
I would, I don't have kids, but if I did, I would certainly encourage them to go down that road because it's obviously the land where, uh, where dreams are, are made, you know? That's funny. You know, you mentioned you don't uh, like golf. I've been asked oftentimes to come out on a golf course, and I tell folks, listen, the last thing you want is a Puerto Rican from Spanish Harlem on a golf course. It'll be – I say it'll be a comic relief time. One of my last houses I had in Florida was uh, was on four holes, and it was the premium. You know, that was the big thing. I like the house, but people oh, the golf. It was just beautiful, the golf course. And I thought, I got to at least take lessons. I took lessons for a whole summer. And I was a professional tennis player back in the day, and the, and the golf club pro said, you can actually be really good. You shot 90 your first time out. I mean, like nobody does. You know, that's pretty good. And I said, I just don't like it. I just – I can't – I don't know what it is. I just – it's just for whatever reason. So I think you're – you know, sometimes you like things, sometimes you don't. But you can certainly give it a shot, you know, as a parent. Last question, brother. I know I, I said before last question was the last question, the million-dollar question. But one of the things that I know you've, you've uh, written about and, and, and have always – uh, talked about, which I think is key here. It's very, very key because if you do have, if, you, if you're predisposed to an entrepreneurial life, right, would you agree, based on all of your research, that ultimately your success will depend on your ability to stay disciplined to your decision? Oh, yeah. How do you argue with that, right? I mean, I think that you know, they, they proved it years ago that uh, in, in so many studies, you know, over 100 years ago, the decision, the ability to, to make a decision is one thing, and then to stick to it, as you say, to stick to the long haul. Because, and I think that's why parents, it's so important that they prepare kids, not for the quick buck or the quick mm-hmm. success, whatever that is, but for the long haul, that this is a marathon, not a sprint. And it's gonna, you're going to take shots, and people are going to think you're crazy at sometimes, depending on the level of what, you know, what you're doing. Um, they're going to, they're, you're going to, you're going to fail most of the time. And most of the interviews of, for 36 years, 1300 plus interviews, all face to face, all one-on-one. So it's kind of crazy in today's environment. We could have done it on zoom, but uh, back in the day, could do it. But, uh, you know, they, they talk about 90% of the interview, Jay was all about their failures. Mm-hmm. And then they hit the one home run, just like Wayne Huizenga and any of these guys, one home run. And everyone knows them for the home run, like Wayne Huizenga, but all the failures is what they spend 90% of the interview talking about they failed their way to success. So I think your, your point's right on the money that, you know, the just sticking is making decisions. One thing sticking to it is what takes mental toughness. That's wonderful, Steve. So in the last minute here, I know you have programs that you are working. You actually have uh, a speaking workshop um, that you are uh, providing and offering to people. And you've got all sorts of different mental toughness workshops. You have your mental toughness university as well. Where could people find more about you, your projects, and really tune in and tap into what you're doing? I have a video blog uh, people follow, some people follow. It's called mentaltoughnessblog.com, and uh, that's probably the easiest way. You can, they can Google me to find me on other places, but that's probably the, the easiest way, and it's all free, of course. Wonderful. Guys, this has been absolutely amazing to have Steve Siebold on the show. Uh, I'm, I'm confident that many of you are walking away with a whole new perspective, not only on how to take this content and apply it to you personally, but, but also as a, as a role model to your children. Uh, and, and that's what the show is about. It's about taking information like this and going from a position of just surviving to thriving. And Steve, you have helped us get to the next level on that. Appreciate you being on the show, my friend, and we'll have you back in the future. Hey, thanks for having me, Jay. Appreciate it. All right. Guys, we'll be right back after our sponsors. Mattress Firm's Labor Day sale is going on now. Save up to $500 when you get a king bed for a queen price or a queen for a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base when you spend $6.99 or more. Or save 50% on top-rated brands like Beautyrest, Serta, and Sealy. 
Shop now. My friends, did you know that if you only have state minimum coverage and you total a really nice car, that you may not have enough coverage and you could be sued by the insurance company? That's right. Not all coverage is the same. And it's absolutely necessary to work with an insurance agency that has your best interest at heart. That's where Texas Edge Insurance comes in. Not only are they trusted experts, but as an independent agency, they have access to over 30 well-respected companies to get you the right coverage. So if insurance peace of mind is what you seek, call Texas Edge Insurance at 817-406-2929 or visit them at texasedgeagency.com. No one wants to live in chaos, right? Don't go another day with that leaky faucet or running toilet. Boy, are those things annoying. That's where Benjamin Franklin Plumbing comes in. They are the punctual plumbers and they will get your life back to normal. Don't call a plumber who also does electrical work and maybe is a handyman on the side. Call the punctual plumbers at Benjamin Franklin Plumbing and rest easy that your plumber is a true expert. And if you call 866, the number four Ben now, you'll get $50 off any plumbing repair. Anything you need done, doesn't matter what it is. Benjamin Franklin Plumbing has been out to my house. They send you an email with your plumber's name and picture so you know exactly who to expect on your front doorstep and they will follow all social distancing guidelines. And remember, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing is the punctual plumber. That means they will be there when they say they will be there or they'll pay you $5 a minute for every minute they're late up to a $300 maximum. So when you need a plumber, be sure to call Benjamin Franklin Plumbing 866, the number four, Ben Now. 866, the number four, Ben Now. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve, is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single, boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Hi. I'd like to report a bear hug. Uh, okay. Well, before I left my campsite, I was putting out my fire, and out of nowhere, Smokey Bear showed up and hugged me? So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. He likes it when people correctly put out their campfires. He's pretty big on wildfire prevention. He's just letting you know you did good with a uh, hug. He's a hugger. I just got a bear hug from Smokey Bear. <laughs> Status update! All right, I'm going to let you go now. I've got uh, a lot of uh, ranger stuff to do. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. In our station today, I'm excited to have Jared Pope, founder of WorkShield. WorkShield is the cutting-edge solution for preventing, dealing with, and solving workplace harassment. These days, you don't have to go very far to hear about companies that have been through the challenging struggle 
of workplace harassment, also having to deal with litigation. So my guest, Jared, has uh, started a company that deals with and helps with uh, situations like these. So, Jared, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Jared, our listeners are always interested in innovative companies doing innovative things. And, and before we get into all that, I want you to share a little bit with our listeners your story. Well, you know, first, my story, I appreciate that, Jay. And um, my story starts from law school. So my wife and I, Jennifer, we both met at SMU Law School here in town. And, you know, I liked her more than she liked me at first. So <laughs> Isn't that always the case? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, it took about five years to convince her, but, you know, eventually she said yes. And so, and really, you know, it was kind of, we've always had a great partnership. And one of my founding beliefs is control what you can't control. And I learned that through selling books door to door with Southwestern Company wow. uh, while I was in college and did it for three summers. And Invited my twin brother uh, as well the second summer, and he did way better than I did. I'm just glad I, he was I was his manager. And so all that being said, what, what led to where we are today and kind of my story today is really focusing on controlling what you can't control. And I bring that up because, look, right out of law school, I was at Baker Botts, worked at Fulbright, you know, had some great jobs. And when I was at Baker Botts, you know, my wife and I, we just had our son, Harmon, who's now 12 years old. So this gives you a while back. Well, I asked to move down to Houston. Things didn't work out. And so Fulbright and Jaworski uh, came in and said, hey, we want you to move to Houston because we hear you want to move to Houston. And so we moved down there and uh, basically said, hey, look, uh, we're going to go down to Houston, be closer to our parents because that's where she's from. And so when I got there, uh, I was like, okay, this is great. But it happened to be 2009. 2008, 2009. And so, Great timing. Yeah, awful, <laughs> awful timing. Um, and so what was interesting about that, we got there, and usually the legal profession is always about six months behind mm-hmm. of everything else, six to nine months. And so we get down there, and, and you know, the market's tanking, you know, Lehman Brothers, everybody's just tanking. And then all of a sudden, my boss comes in, the partner, and says, hey, Jared, um, you're the last one in and the first one out. And I'm like, okay, this is great. And so I paused there, and I remembered, I literally remembered about three years before that, four years before that, and this was in 2006, uh, 2005 actually. And I took a pause there and reflected back on this one moment that started everything. And that moment was I was actually at KPMG right out of law school, and it was on a Saturday. Uh, I was asking Jennifer to be my be my wife, so we did this whole engagement deal, had the whole thing, and. So it went off with a hitch, without a hitch. So it was awesome. And so Monday I go into KPMG and KPMG comes in and says, hey, Jared, uh, they got this whole comp and benefit section in there. And they said, hey, the DOJ says we got to release everybody. Mm. You got six months. Mm. And so I called Jen and I'm like, hey, can we have dinner tonight? And she's like, yeah, great. I was like, I got some really exciting news for you. And she <laughs> said, fantastic. Should we go out to dinner? And I'm like, no, let's cook pasta it's, <laughs> because it's really cheap. And by the way, can we open up a bottle of wine? Because I don't want you to change your, your answer. So I went over to her house and uh, she's like, well, what's this exciting news? And I said, well, hang on, let's just pour some wine here, have a glass. And so we finally sat down and I said, well, hey, I have a great opportunity. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I just lost my job. I have six months to find a new one. And she's like, excuse me? I was like, it's a great opportunity. And I said, look, if I control what I can't control will always end up in a better situation, mm. period, in the story. And so she paused, and I said, well, 
are you going to change your answer or is it still yes? And she's like, <laughs> well, of course it's a yes, right? <laughs> so I reflected back on that moment. And so right when that partner came in, I called my wife and she was in Colorado with our son Harmon. And, and I said, hey, when you get back with your parents from Colorado, do you mind if they watch Harmon and you and I go out and have dinner? And let's go grab a burger because it's cheap. And she's like, yeah, sure. And I was like, I have a great opportunity to talk to you about. And she goes, oh, that's fantastic. She hangs up the phone. She literally two, two minutes later calls me back and she goes, did you get laid off? <laughs> and I said, yes. And she goes, she goes, I know. Control what you can't control. We'll be okay. And so two months later, ended up in Dallas and really learned about the insurance industry when I came back to Dallas. And you know, you and I were talking earlier about how God works in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. And I also think he's, he's a bit of a jokester because the moment you try to do something outside of his plan, he kind of laughs and says, no, 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 no. I want you back over here. Right. And right. so that laughing moment was, hey, I want you back in Dallas. And so we came back to Dallas, did a 100 or 270-mile U-turn wow. um, and came back all within nine months and really learned the insurance industry. And really from that product and learning the insurance industry and working with the broker and the insurance companies, I really learned what I need to know today to, to get to where I am today mm. from that standpoint. So what was your vision? What inspired you to come up with this great platform, WorkShield? Well, you know, a couple of things. In being in the HR industry and, and as an attorney and, you know, really started about two and a half years ago, WorkShield did, uh, just over two and a half years. And I got an email from a friend of mine that talked about, you know, this workplace harassment, Me Too movement, Harvey Weinstein. And I started asking myself, how do we solve this problem? Like really solve this problem? Because look, harassment, discrimination, it's not new. It Mm -hmm. happens every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at the show Mad Men, right? right? I mean, it just glorifies that. And so I started asking myself, okay, what's the current process today and how can we change it? Because the system's broken. And so what inspired me is I started thinking about my daughter. So I got a daughter, Madeline. She's nine years old. Uh, she's about to be 10. And so I started thinking about her and thinking about Jennifer and said, hey, I know this occurs. I know it's impacted Jennifer. It's impacted my, my friends that are female. It's impacted males from a hostile work environment. And so how do we solve this problem to not only say, hey, we need to give employees a voice that is heard. But at the same time, how do we partner with employers to actually solve it for them? Because I started doing the research, and, and it really comes down, and if you take the Ellen Show, for example, right. you know, this is a lady that probably has the happiest workforce. If you would ask anybody outside of today, what's the happiest place to go work? Other than Oprah, it would probably be Ellen DeGeneres' show, right? And it just goes to show as well-intended as people can be, managers and supervisors they sometimes like to hide things under the rug. They like to sweep it under the rug. They like to take care of themselves. And this is where when you see these lawsuits like McDonald's that's out there for $500 million, wow. they sit there and say, well, didn't McDonald's know about this? And the leadership will say, well, we didn't know about it, but it doesn't matter. The manager and supervisor did. Mm. And so knowing that construct in play, I said, okay, how can we remove the managers and supervisors from the integrated and solved? And that was the, the crux of WorkShield. And so literally, it was kind of a real exciting story. I had this, this thought. I, I talked with some good friends of mine, Travis Foster and Brian Calhoun, and kind of talked through the process. And I was up in Chicago and said, hey, I have this idea. And it was an existing client of mine. And 
I said, hey, I got this idea. I think I want to call it WorkShield. Here's what it's going to do. And my mentor who's there, his name is Walt Fawcett, uh, he said, wow, this is maybe one of the best ideas I've ever heard. I'm in. And I was like, well, what do you mean you're in? He goes, I'll be your first client. And I said, okay, this is interesting. So literally finished dinner that night. That was on January 31st. February 1st, had another dinner with another client of mine because at the time I had my own law firm and um, went to that client and said, hey, I, let me tell you this idea that I have. Same reaction. This is the best idea I've ever heard. I'm in. I'll be your first client. Mm. So literally February 2nd, I flew home, walked in the door, told Jennifer, hey, we're going to start this company called WorkShield. We're really going to help and solve the harassment discrimination issues and really partner with employers to give employees the voice that's heard. And don't worry, I'll take care of it. And she says, great. And then two and a half years later, here we are having a great time. That's excellent. You know, one of the things that we've been talking about today on the on our show is the theme of how do you raise entrepreneurial kids? Mm-hmm. So the value of WorkShield is here you have a parent uh, or uh, an ambitious young person who goes out and learns how to build a business or a parent who passes on a business or encourages a, their mm-hmm. own children to build a business. They do a great job, right, sacrificing, doing everything right, and all of a sudden they, they're blindsided by litigation, by mm-hmm. a lawsuit that they just didn't see coming. How often do you hear about situations like that where companies, uh, like you gave an example of McDonald's, right? Mm-hmm. But the companies are just not prepared uh, for a lawsuit that blindsides them. Yeah, well, I think that it comes down to one easy aspect. Everybody thinks an open-door policy is the best policy, and it's not because people are fearful. They're fearful of retaliation, of being ridiculed, and they don't want to talk to an anonymous hotline. Yes, we have an anonymous hotline. But out of over 200 incidents, guess how many actually were anonymous? Nine. Mm. So people want to be heard. The voice wants to be heard. And so if you allow them a voice to be heard and promise them that you'll not only intake it and investigate it and we solve it in less than five days, that's how companies aren't blindsided anymore because they have a trusted third-party partner like WorkShield. Excellent. So what's the future plans uh, for WorkShield? Are you available in in every – State in the country. Where Every could, state international okay. as well. So we have Klein and Aberdeen uh, from California to New York, all over the place. So, you know, our evolution over the next year is really we want to be the preeminent provider of workplace harassment, workplace discrimination partner to give employees a voice that's heard, that allows employers to protect their culture and their bottom line. And more importantly, this also leads to a more diverse, inclusive, and equal playing field in the workplace. Well, it's absolutely a much-needed service if you are running a business of any size, as long as you're dealing with employees. Where could people find more information about WorkShield? Uh, simple. Go to WorkShield.com or, hey, drop us a line, and you can call us at our toll-free number, 1-866-946-5558, and we'll be happy to help you out. Jared, you have brought tremendous value to our listeners. And, guys, that wraps up our show. We'll look forward to having you come back next week for another hour of Thrive Time.